On this episode, I talk about the death of Christina Powell. I do a follow-up on the murder of a crime reporter in Las Vegas. I give an update on a family that disappeared a few months ago. And I'll cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including what is the U.S. to do about athletes from other countries who go missing while they are here? I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for September 12th, 2022. Okay, everybody, it is the Unfound Live show for September 12th, 2022, and if you don't know who I am trying to impersonate when I do that 2022, kind of sounds like Barbara Walters, maybe all of you are too young to remember that, I don't know, but uh, she just had a weird way of talking and I think when she'd use some numbers like 20, it'd be like 20. It's like T-W-I-N-T-Y instead of T-W-E-N-T-Y. Something weird going on there. But like I said, this is uh, the Unfound Live for September 12th, 2022. I hope everybody had a great preceding week, as I usually do with the live show. going to go through a few things that have gone on in my life. Since last Tuesday, or last Monday, and then have a lot of uh, national news uh, to talk about, true crime related, disappearance related, uh, some things that have been solved, uh, conclusive evidence, um, why some people, uh, in particular one person, uh, why she went missing and why she was found deceased. Going to talk about that. Got a lot of uh, national news uh, to cover. And in fact, a couple articles that I didn't get to last week. And I got some unfound news as well. Not a, uh, a lot of it, but uh, at least a few things. But as you are watching uh, tonight live on September 12th, or you uh, are, are watching in the replay, please give this video a thumbs up. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. You know it's going to be good. Just do it. And if you are listening now that this Unfound Live show is a podcast, please uh, give it a five stars, thumbs up, whatever you got to do in your podcast application and i want to remind all of you who are now watching even if you do always watch this on monday night you make the time please uh subscribe to it in your podcast platform as well certainly helps us out so once again like this channel subscribe if you're not yet a subscriber of course the button is right down there if you are not a yet a subscriber in fact it was weird um i, I don't think um the way he wrote, I don't think he's from the United States. I see the real you're in here. I think this uh, person might be from your part of the earth. 
but um, he called Unfound's YouTube channel very underrated. I think that's a fantastic way to um, describe it. I think it is sneaky, sneakily underrated. And that is something uh, I'm very proud of what this YouTube channel has become. Even though YouTube is not the number one output for Unfound. Uh, it is an audio podcast. And YouTube is like a secondary um, platform for Unfound. But uh, it is amazing what it's become. And I thought when that person said that, very underrated, understated, something like that. I thought this guy hit it right on the head. And so I, I thank him for being so uh, accurate in his description. So before I go any further, let's see who is in here. Who did get in first? Of course, nephew Charles got in first. Of course he did. Hello, the real just already mentioned you very early on the real coming to us from Australia. Hello, coffee. Hello, Karen, Kathy, Jasmine, moderator, Sheree, making an appearance tonight. Thank you for moderating tonight. Tree twinkle, Sarah, LaFord, Valerie, Arctic Fox. He goes, what's up, Ed? Or she goes up. What's up, Ed? Um, doing well. Going to talk about that in a little bit, Arctic Fox. Thank you for asking, LaFord. Uh, and uh, everything, everything 2020. Uh, I have to ask you everything 2020. Uh, is that because of the year or is that like something like everything, you know, 2020 also is a course of a saying for seeing things clearly. Are you planning on changing it to uh, everything 2022 or how does that work? Everything. Veronica, I had over everything. Thank you. Um, hello, Veronica. How, how are you to you? And Brenda, Barbara, Brenda asked, what's your primary media platform? Well, uh, Unfound is primary an audio program. Uh, the the podcasts that come out on Fridays, it is primarily audio only. And the video, like here on YouTube, only serves to bring attention, more attention to the audio podcast, which, which comes out every Friday. Now, I will say maybe... Um, you know, it's become a little more than that over the last maybe five years. But primarily, everything that is done uh, on the YouTube channel is meant to serve the audio podcast. Even though the YouTube channel does have, for example, Unfound Now that you can't find anywhere else on any place else than Unfound is. Primarily, that is a way to drive people who are on YouTube to say, well, what is this podcast? Let's go check out the, the monthly or the weekly podcast, all your podcast that comes out every Friday. This YouTube live show, same thing. Everything comes from the podcast that comes out on Fridays. No matter, even if you may think that the live show, maybe, maybe you think it's better than the podcast, totally fine. Everybody, uh, there's no accounting for taste. But everything, uh, if you were to look at it as a wheel, unfound podcast audio podcast that comes out every friday at 2 p.m eastern on spotify itunes and everywhere else that is the spoke or no that is the hub and then everything else surrounds it like a wheel if you want to think of it that way and um 
So I am on the yes, we are on Spotify. I've been on uh, Unfound has been on Spotify actually for several years now, but it was only this year, Brenda, that it became kind of the Spotify in the Spotify catalog, as it were. Uh, everything says yes. I think I'll change it to 2022 soon, just like putting everything as lots has been happening, etc. Well, you know everything at this point. You might as well just wait until 2023 comes along. Change it then. Um, Sarah says, that's how I discovered the platform on YouTube. Uh, it's why it exists. Thank you for pointing that out, Sarah. Thank you. And Veronica, I found you on Stitcher years ago. Great. I would not say that Stitcher is uh, one of the more popular places where people listen to Unfound, but it is certainly on there. Okay. So what has been going on? Um happening with me since last Monday night or Tuesday morning, depending on how you partake in this show. Well, uh, last Thursday, I did end up going to the dentist and I got the beginnings of a bridge put in on this bottom left hand side of my mouth. I've been complaining a lot about that because this means I now have a dental loan. This would be like third week in a row I'm talking about this. But anyway, it got done. No problems. Actually went very smoothly. Um, not a lot of pain, even though I did get pain medication as a prescription and got some steroid stuff to kind of control like the swelling. And I've been gargling with salt water and everything. Really, it's been no big deal. I, I can tell you that me getting uh, two wisdom teeth out 15 years ago was much worse. Um. Having said that, though, the procedure is not done. This is like a temporary, and I have to go back in October. Uh, they're going to look at it again, and then I may have to go one more time where they actually put in the permanent one uh, that will hopefully last me for the rest of my life, and I don't have to spend any money on any of this again. But um, I thought it was very cool that the doctor, his name is Dr. Harkins, the dentist. He called me the next day on Friday to see how I was doing, which I thought was very nice. Very cool. And it's, I have to tell you, it's one of the reasons that I am um, that uh, I like to get back in touch with guests after they've been on Unfound. I do like to check in with them. I like to give them updates and see how they're doing after the episode came out. So when Dr. Harkins called me on Friday, um, and I happened to pick up the phone, it was a 727 area code, which is Pinellas County. I ended up picking it up, and he was like, hi, Ed, this is uh, Dr. Harkins. I was like, hey, Doc, what's up? And so he was just ch uh, checking to see if I was okay, and, and of course I was. So I will, though I'll be honest, I've been staying away from that side of my mouth for the most part and just been mainly chewing on this side just, you know, just because. But really uh, not any little – thing here and there but really no pain or anything like that um, I have been brushing you know I can't use the my electric toothbrush over in that area for now so it has to stay like on the other parts of my mouth I'm just using a regular brush over in there uh, for now but it went fine was in the chair for a while I was in the chair for almost you know almost a couple hours which is really no big deal you know, I, I just like to concentrate on my breathing. You know, I'm staring at the ceiling 
And I'm just concentrating my breathing, trying to be very relaxed over that time and not be tense. And it's very easy to do because uh, Dr. Harkins, good guy. Good guy. Not cheap, but good dentist. Um, so that's that's what went on. And I have to admit, I was a little uh, stressed out about going uh, to do that. But it ended up being fine. I, I, I will admit I did not sleep well last Wednesday night. That's the way it goes. But I did sleep well once I came back home that day. And so there you go. So I'm on the road to getting that fixed. But once again, not cheap. I'm going to do another dental loan. But uh, my plan is to pay it ahead just like I did the last one. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully I'll get this all this teeth, teeth stuff straightened out. Uh, eventually what's everybody uh, saying here uh everything says uh, good idea ahead i will wait until 2023 so you're gonna stick with everything 2020 for the rest of this year and just well I, I like i said it's already september everything so i mean what's a couple more months uh laford says me next regarding dental work thank you for going first yeah it, you know laford when it comes to that stuff it 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 never ends up being as bad as you think it's going to be as far as the pain and lying back and the sounds and everything, you know, dentistry, you know, even in my lifetime of being 52 years old uh, has, you know, changed immensely. Um, you know, and in fact, the, the doctor and I last Thursday, just very quickly, you were talking about, I can't even imagine how they used to do dentistry before anesthesia and stuff. I just can't imagine it. It's just can't imagine it. But of course the cost uh, is never going to change. Um, Valerie says, yep. The only time I see, I saw my father cry was wisdom teeth. Um, Maybe he got them pulled at a time when they didn't knock people out. Valerie, when I got mine done in 2006 for both of them, I was completely knocked out. They had me, you know, counting back from 100, and I didn't get to 98. I was out. Now, the first one was okay. The second one, the recovery from that one was a little rougher. There was some bleeding and some things. um, But really, overall, you always hear about, like, getting your wisdom teeth pulled. Looking back, hindsight 2020, get that everything. Hindsight 2020, it was no big deal. Um, everything I'm currently getting implants and it takes time and a little pain, but worth it. I had the option to go that route, everything, but it would have been more expensive and taken longer. Maybe, maybe overall better, but I just didn't want to bother with it. Um, yeah, every swell would be gorgeous. Brenda says I'm 59. I had a wisdom tooth that had to be pulled in June. I'm lucky. And it was very easy pull. You're very lucky, Brenda, you know, get into, you know, even me being, what was I, 36 at the time I got those pulled, that's even considered old for getting wisdom teeth pulled. So to to get into your 50s and get them pulled, that is something. I'm glad it went smoothly. Uh, uh, Kathy says, LaFord, it better be after all the money Ed will have to put into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those things. I'm trying to look at it as an investment. Uh, I don't want to be doing these uh dental payments for the rest of my life until I'm like 85 or something. That's crazy. Um, 
Veronica, I want my beautiful smile, but I'm so scared I have to be put to sleep. Bad prior experience. Wow. Okay. Sarah had four pulled when she was 17. Everybody's talking. Everybody has dental stories, of course. And um, Kathy's my young Japanese teacher in fifth grade had dental work done without Novocaine. Can you imagine? No, I can't. No, I can't. Not, not even close. Um, wow. Okay. Everything's good. I hear you will be fine. Yeah. You will have a nice smile. Yeah. I bet it all works out for you. Everything. So that's one thing that happened since last week. And then had a little disc golf tournament up there in Floral City this weekend. Uh, I actually drove up early Saturday morning, stayed over at a very nice Airbnb, one of my favorite Airbnbs in Brooksville. And so I had a very relaxing uh, evening there, getting some unfound work done and everything. Played well there. Played an intermediate so I could get some more points for next year's Worlds. And I came in third out of 18, which I think if you had told me that before I started, before the storm had started, I would like, you know what? I think that's pretty good. I would have taken that. The only issue is I lost my the first place person beat me by 16 shots. He was so hot. I just cannot even explain. Um, he was hitting everything just I mean, it was just something that I've not seen too many times in playing disc golf. Just completely lights out. And we're playing an intermediate, which, you know, you can only have a certain a certain level rating to be able to play in the division. And he was playing, like, so far. He was not sandbagging. I was playing so far above his rating. It was amazing. So I ended up losing by 16 shots to him. And the second place guy was five shots. Then it was me. So it was like 30 under 19 under I was at 14 under. And then a guy who I've played with before, uh, his name is Tyler. Uh, he was one behind me. So I was in third place by one shot. So would have taken third place, uh, beforehand. Um, Rating is going to my PDGA rating regarding those rounds isn't that spectacular, but a third place is good. Did I have a chance for second? I needed to putt better, and I did not putt well. Did not putt well, but um, the the best part about it was over three rounds, and I only went out of bounds once which is really saying something on that course because there is a lot of out-of-bounds on that course. I only went out-of-bounds once. And for a guy who just a year ago or whatever was just so wild and everything, you just do not know how great that is when you don't have to worry about OB strokes. So um, probably the biggest happening of that was the on Saturday, the second round, it just – and so we got a delay for about 45 minutes, but for about 15 minutes, we played in it before the TD tournament director uh, called us all and blew the horn and said, you know what, we're going to just pause this for a little bit. So I went back to my car and chilled out for about 45 minutes. But for those 15 minutes playing in that downpour, it was crazy. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Crazy. So, um, but it ended up being, uh, you know, once that went away, it ended up being great playing conditions. And on Sunday, it was beautiful playing conditions, not very windy, pretty hot. But it was a beautiful day to play disc golf. Floral City is one of my favorite courses. And so it was a pleasure to be there. It was a good weekend. Had no chance of winning. Uh, no, I, maybe going in, I thought I had a chance looking at everybody's ratings and everything. But once I saw how that guy was playing, I was like, no, nope, that's not going to happen. But um, I was also proud in that after the first round, I was in sixth place. After the second round, I was in fifth place, but then I finished in third. So I continued to work my way up, um, you know, to the front, which was nice. I, I got a little bit better, a little better, a little better uh, as the tournament uh, progressed. And so that was nice. And it's been a while since I've played three rounds in two days. Uh, even at Worlds, we only played one round a day. So it's been a while since I've played three rounds, two rounds on Saturday, one round on Sunday. So that was unique. And it was 24 baskets. So it was um, 72 baskets over, you know, a day and a half, which is very rare. It's a lot of playing, a lot of playing. And it was good. Um, Thank you, Veronica. Third out of 18 is good. Yeah. Uh, Valerie, uh, in intermediate finishing third out of 18, um, very good. Absolutely. No complaints. Just sign me up. Uh, if I could finish in the top, what would that be? Top sixth of, of every tournament that I am, I ever play in for the rest of my life. I will take that. I will take that for sure. Top sixth, you know, three out of 18. So that would be, you know, um, sixth out of 36, or what would that be? Uh, you know, just whatever. Top six out of uh, 60 or whatever it is. Uh, or top 10 out of 60. That's fine. I'll, I'll take that all the time for sure. An intermediate or MA50, the two primary divisions I play in. Absolutely. Kathy says 14 down is a good score. 30 is amazing. It just depends on the course, uh, Kathy, and what... Um, you know, pads we're playing from. We played the long pads, the first and third round. Second round was the short pads. Did not play that well from the short pads. I really can't complain about the long pads, but even though I, I, I totally destroyed the short pads a month ago when I was up there, I did not do that on Saturday afternoon. Could have had something to do with the weather. It was raining, and then when we went back out there, the pads were very slick. So you really had to watch... Uh, what you were doing. So, but like I said, can't complain. And I only play that course once a year. I don't go, I don't drive the whole way up there to kind of figure maybe a couple things out, maybe, you know, really get down. You know, when I go up there, I'm really just playing the course from memory and just guessing at some things. And so to be able to do that, 
is pretty good. Whereas like, you know, it's not like my course over here, Taylor, where I play all the time, where, you know, people come in here, if they don't play the course very well, they could shoot several shots under par. Whereas I can show up at Taylor these days with my eyes closed and shoot three under, which is a really, really good score. So there you go. And then, of course, the other thing that has happened since last Monday when we all got together was September 11th was yesterday. A lot of uh, remembrances. Um, and, of course, a lot of people talking about that, a lot of people posting like that about that. Saw a lot of pictures and video and all of all of that. And I think that I've told... My uh, September 11th story, uh, you know, in preceding years of this live show, uh, my September 11th story is kind of uh, unique in that I didn't even know anything was even going on until the World Trade Centers had fallen. You have to remember I was on West Coast time. And so when that was happening in New York, you know, at 9 a.m. into 10 a.m., that's only 6 or 7 in the morning. And that particular day, which was a Tuesday, I was working at Star Trek The Experience, and I was working a swing shift there. So there was no reason for me to get up early. I didn't even have to go into work until 5 o'clock or something. So I slept through all of it. Um... I, uh, I just, uh, I, uh, the way I even found out about it was my very, you know, a woman who I only somewhat knew at the time who was working with Shay, who's now of course, very, very close friend of mine. In fact, we texted back and forth today a little bit. Uh, she was the one who called me. This was before I had a cell phone. She called me on just a regular apartment phone to tell me, you know, you know, you better turn on the TV. And I did. And, you know, I saw everything that was going on. And, um, and I actually had to go into work at Star Trek, the experience that evening. And you talk about just, uh, just a weird, sad, tragic day. My brother had come into town. He was with me that afternoon. We were watching the news all day. Oh, we were so, so, a lot of emo- emotions running high, uh, and um, but then I had to go into work after all of that. So it was so strange. So you know, I don't have uh, any story about me sitting there and watching the World Trade Centers on fire. I, I just don't know because I was sleeping, and maybe that's the case for a lot of people. Uh, on the uh, West Coast, uh, and of course, even to this day, uh, given my the way I work on this podcast, it's late to bed, late to rise. Uh, you know me; I usually don't go to bed till I've talked about this one till two in the morning, and I usually don't get up till ten or eleven. So uh, that's the way it was then, uh, and that's the way it is now. Everything kind of in between there for some years. The work. Uh, changed my work patterns changed and i was getting up like most people do at like 6 30 in the morning which to this day when i get up have to get up like i did this past saturday to drive up 
the floral city, I'm reminded, oh yeah, this is how it is for most people. Um, Kathy, in Southern California, we didn't either. I went to work and was sent home right away. My husband called me about the towers when I was getting ready. Never forget that day. Yeah. And what I also remember is that if you live in Las Vegas, the, the airport is now right in the center of the city. It was at the time. It is now, even though, of course, Las Vegas has really still expanded much since then. But even then, it's like right in the center of the city. So you hear jets all the time. You can hear them taking off. You can hear them landing. They're flying overhead. It's just a constant thing. If you've never been to Las Vegas, if you ever go there, you might. if you stay outside enough, you'll realize that. You always hear jets. And I, and I, where I lived at the time, I was right in the flight pattern. Jets were just right over going into McCarran. And it was so, for those three days after September 11th, the city was so quiet. Never forget it. It was just so, you just, you know, after a while, you don't even hear those jets. You get so used to them and then they aren't there. And it just, it was just like you were living in some little small town. There was just no sound at all. It was so weird. And then I remember maybe around Friday is when jets started taking off and everything, but there were nobody in them. They, what the companies were doing, Southwest, they were repositioning their jets for when everybody would start flying again. So you had a lot of planes that were taking off, but nobody was in them. No passengers were in them. So crazy. So crazy. Uh, Valerie says, I was in Hawaii on vacation. My sister worked for American Airlines. She called me and said, come home. I sure did. Same day. Wow. And Sarah says she's from New York. Okay, Sarah. So, yeah, that was yesterday. 21 years. Man, I was just a young pup. 31 years old. I cannot believe it. Where has the time gone? I just don't know. Just don't know. Just, um, I still can't watch any of those videos. Of um, you know, the planes hitting the World Trade Center, and all. I I just can't do it. And of course, as you know, friend of the program, uh, Dr. Telesco, uh, she was in uh, New York City as a police officer on September 11th. She has many stories about being there and everything that she experienced, and talk about people that she lost on that day uh, i as you know i've been to her office down in nova southeastern in fact i'm going to be there next week and all the memorabilia and mementos and everything from that time just unbelievable charles says i watched the plane hit the pentagon from one and a half miles away i remember uh you talking about that charles uh you were living in the area work it had a job that was outside not too far away from there at the time. That is, I remember that. I remember that. The real, I was watching it from Australia out back in the middle of the night. Couldn't believe what I was seeing, of course. Yeah, right. Flew right over top of us on the roof of a building. Yep. I remember that, Charles. I do remember that. You had some job like in telecommunications or something, right? At the time, that's what you were doing. That's why you were up on that building. 
So September 11th, of course, at this point is, is now become, you know, our generation's um, Pearl Harbor. Of course, the big difference is that, uh, you know, all the, the, the video and everything that happened, of course, there was film taken uh, that just happened to, you know, cameras at the time, eight millimeter or whatever of like the Arizona, USS Arizona blowing up and things. But um, everybody experienced September 11th in real time. And this was even in the era, era before cameras on phones and everything else. I mean, can you imagine if something like that were to happen today with everybody with their phones and everything? I imagine that we would have people who would have been in the World Trade Centers with camera phones and film and videoing, maybe live streaming or something. I can't imagine it. I just cannot imagine that. Because that then would all be saved somewhere. Just, I don't know. Twinkle, my granddaughter went to grade school in the shadows of the Pentagon. People were getting sick on the sidewalks in the air. Smokey, your dad worked in the Pentagon, but was okay. Charles says, yep, and a security clearance, right? I remember that, Charles. Okay. So, yes, September 11th. Moving on. Now, once again, just want to remind all of you, or if you are watching this either live or recorded, please give this video a thumbs up. And subscribe to this channel if you're not yet a subscriber or if you're listening to this as the podcast and you're still unfamiliar with the Unfound Podcast channel on YouTube, please go there and become a subscriber. Hit the little bell button so that you will be alerted when I'm primary, the person that uploads videos now. Um, When I upload videos that you will be alerted so you can check them out. I also hope that you will, you maybe some of you have seen the new trailer that I've been putting in front of the videos and it's the become a member trailer with the join button, the little join button down here for the low, low, low price of 10 cents a day. You can become a member of this channel. You get the episodes free. You get the unfound or you get the episodes a day early on YouTube. You get the unfound now episodes a week early. You get daily updates from me haven't done the one yet for today, but I will do it after I'm done with this live show tonight. And uh, you get some cool emojis. You get your name in lights over in the chat. Please consider doing that. Uh, once again, 10 cents a day. Kathy says JFK, RFK, Oklahoma city bombing nine 11 in my lifetime. Yeah. So yeah. And I'm okay too. Yes. Moving on, let's now get into a few unfound things, and then I want to move to a lot of uh, national news. Uh, you know, I also like to start this portion of the show with the poll that is done in the discussion group. This past Friday, we covered the disappearance of Kyle Fleischman. Um, he, of course, disappeared from Charlotte 15 years ago. I thought that Reggie did a spectacular uh, interview, uh, very knowledgeable, very well-spoken. She's put a lot of work into this. And in the discussion group on Facebook, if you're not a let, yet a member there, uh, go there right now, become a member. I asked, what do you think happened to Kyle Fleischman? I gave um, some different choices. Did he kind of walk off and die due to the elements? 
Did he commit suicide? Did that boyfriend of the woman that Kyle was dancing with, did he kill Kyle or did somebody else abduct Kyle? And about 70% of you chose that, yes, this boyfriend, uh, the boyfriend of the woman Kyle was dancing with caused Kyle's disappearance. 70% uh, considerable, uh, considerable percentage, not overwhelming, not not 90%. Sometimes we get 90, 90%, 95% answers. Uh, but on this one, it was only 70%. I can't say that I'm surprised. Uh, I would say that the discussion group greatly leans always toward the idea that there was foul play. I'm not sure why that is, but that's it's uh, after five years of doing polls in that discussion group or even longer. Um, the polls in there definitely skew toward foul play. Now, with the think tank, and if you're wondering what the think tank is, it's a group like no other that gets together on on Sunday evenings to deeply discuss the disappearance for that week. So yesterday evening, I got together with some of Unfound's uh, most zealous supporters, and we talked about Kyle's disappearance. We was talking about some of those facts that have come out, the leaving behind of the the coat, the leaving behind of the ATM card, all those calls he made but never left any messages, on and on and on. And in the think tank, when we got to the end and I asked everybody for their opinions, it was kind of 50-50. 50% of the people who went in, who uh, took part um, said that, yes, it was some sort of abduction probably by this boyfriend guy whose name we don't know. I don't know it. If it wasn't that we avoided it during the interview with Reggie, she doesn't know it either. I think she'd love to know, but I don't know it. I don't know anything about this guy. So 50% of the people believed it was an abduction by this, uh, this boyfriend. And then 50%, the other 50% believed that probably walked off a combination of being drunk not having a coat, it being cold out, a lot of things uh, put together. But he walked off, and there was no foul play, and not even any suicide. So it was split 50-50 pretty much after a, you know an hour and 15-minute discussion talking about uh, some of the elements that came up in the interview. Now, for me, at uh, Patreon, I write a blog every week, at least 3,000 words, patreon.com forward slash podcast. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the Patreon uh, support here in a moment. But I decided, maybe none of you will be surprised by this, that I believe that he walked off and died due to the elements and just simply hasn't been found yet. You know that this kind of become a popular choice. I think that's what I decided for... Justin Gaines as well, although maybe I could lean a little bit more to the suicide angle, but just outright suicide. You know, that's what I decided going back to Jesse Ross's disappearance. And many like these, uh, I kind of have leaned toward that choice. And the reason I think that is, is that I put a lot of emphasis on, you know, if you're going to tell me it's foul play, you better give me some reasons that to show it because otherwise I'm just going to think that this person caused his own disappearance. I think that's what we've, I've gotten to 
the way I look at these disappearances. Um, in addition, if we want to really bring up the um, the the smiley face killer hoax, and these young men who were drunk went out to places, came home, and or were trying to get home, and ended up in a body of water. Remember, none of them have proven to be foul play, despite you know all these these beliefs to the you know to the contrary. I think that the people who have investigated the deaths of these young men are pretty firm in their belief that there was no foul play. Well, Kyle Fleischman's plays right into that scenario, drunk young man by himself. So why do we automatically think that it was foul play? You'd really have to – that's just where I am now. Um, I kind of uh, look at the demographics of the young man, what's going on in his life, what was going on in that night. And then you're going to have to show me reasons to think it's foul play. And I just don't see it here. Doesn't mean it's physically impossible. It's certainly physically possible. Thinking that he got abducted does not defy any laws of physics. But the fact is, what we know about crime in the United States, there aren't many men who get abducted. Men get shot in the street. Men get stabbed in the street and are left to die in the street. Um, women are much more likely to be abducted like Eliza Fletcher was from a couple of weeks ago. If this was a woman, I think I would think something differently. I think I'd be much more open to the idea that it was foul play. Like maybe a Lawrence Spear, meaning that's another unsolved disappearance. But I think a lot of people believe there was foul play there for obvious reasons. But with men, it's just different. And this is one of these ways when we start looking at disappearances. In this type of scenario, gender matters. Given everything else being the same, gender matters. So with Kyle, I've convinced myself that very much like I wrote in the blog, very much like a pilot or pilots in a, in a plane that they just keep compounding errors. One, they get rushed on something, they get distracted, and these little problems keep popping up and up, and they're coming into land, but they, they're not configured correctly. And at some point, it's just too late. You can't fix all of the problems that you've created. And unfortunately, we had a young man who was 24 years old, He's out way past when he should have been, being that he was supposed to go to work on Friday. He was drunk, left his coat, left his ATM card, calling people, not leaving any messages. It's just a lot of stuff put together. And I think it just eventually caught up to him. And I think on top of everything else, I think we have to believe probably that his phone died too. And that's why, you know, couldn't be tracked down after the fact. And it's 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, and there's nothing open. So, and probably I don't know if he was clear-headed enough to think through it. Anyway, at that point, it probably being cold would have more an effect on him than him actually being drunk. So that's my reasoning. So uh, what's everybody saying here? Um, 
how do I do that, uh, Sarah? I'll, I'll become a member. Just go to uh, – if you want to become a member of this channel right here on YouTube, Sarah, the join button's right down there below me. And if you'd like to join on Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. I'm going to be talking about that in a second. Uh, thank you for asking, Sarah. Yeah, become a member. Get Got hit join button on here, Sarah. Where's that everything? Um, I think what you're talking about here is if you'd like to read the blog and everything, you'd have to go to Patreon, Sarah, and sign up at patreon.com. So why don't I just talk about that right now because I've been meaning to. I uh, really have not uh, on this show for quite a while. You know, what do you exactly get as a Patreon member? And things have kind of changed uh, since the beginning, uh, doing different things now than I did back when Patreon started. And uh, you have to keep in mind, I did not even start a Patreon account until like two years into Unfound, unlike a lot of podcasts, which they seem to start the Patreon accounts accounts before the podcast even has an episode. <clears throat> but uh, here's what the lineup is right now for anybody who is considering and should consider uh, becoming a Patreon member. You get a lot of cool stuff that... You get more stuff, I think, in Unfound than you get anywhere else. And I think it's it's fairly reasonable. And the money goes to support the work that we do. So for $2 a month, $2 a month, which comes out to what? Uh, I, I can't do the math uh, that quickly. But um, $2 a month divided by 200 divided by 30 is what? Uh Six cents a day? Is that what it is? Six cents a day? Six cents a day. For six cents a day, you get the blogs that I write every week. Uh, and I put a good I put good thought into it. I don't go cheap on them. At least 3,000 words I write a week. I'm going to have to turn this off because this keeps dinging. Um... And I think, you know, you'd like to read what I have to say. And, and not only that, it's when you sign up, you get to read all the blogs that I've ever written. You automatically get access to all of them going back to 2017. It's a lot of reading. But you automatically get all of it. You also get all the books. This is something that I've changed. You get them all in PDF form. The ones that I at least have in PDF form, I don't have the time to get into all that. But the ones that I have in PDF form, Unfound Books, starting like in the, the first disappearance that Unfound ever covered, you get them right at the beginning, signing up for $2 a month. And then also for $2 a month, you get the episode early. So what happens is that I – and I've been able to be able to get them done early uh, – so I will upload the episode for that Friday here on Thursday on YouTube. And so the day before, in the evening mainly, you will get early access to the podcast that comes out on Friday. For $2 a month, that's it. Like I said, great deal. Blog to read every week, early access, books to read, interesting insights, $2 a month. So for $5 a month at Patreon, you get all of that 
plus the the daily updates that I do. So you get to see a little behind the scenes of what I am working on every day. And I'm right here on screen looking at the camera talking about what I did regarding Unfound. And I might talk about other things that are going on, not Unfound related, but most of the time it's just Unfound stuff. So you get a little look behind the scenes, maybe get a better uh, idea of who I am. I'm a little more laid back and everything. Um, you get that Unfound updates, daily updates. And you also get the Unfound Now, the monthly series that I've been doing for over two years now, Unfound Now. You get that a week early. So for $5 a month, everything for two plus unfound updates and the unfound now episode a week early. And then if you really want to step up for $12 a month, you get all of that that's already been mentioned. Plus the think tank that I just mentioned where you get to talk in depth with other listeners uh, about the disappearance for that week. And everything that is talked about eventually goes to that guest. I, I pass along the information, any insights, opinions to the guests. This is a get-together that we have every evening, every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's right here on YouTube. Uh, it's done through an unlisted link. It's very much like this live show, people chatting, but only uh, a select few have access to the link. So that's the Think Tank, and that's been going on since the beginning of 2019. You get Unfound on the Ground. That's another monthly series run by my assistant, Dr. Eric Grabowski, which has kind of turned into a in-depth study of well-known disappearances. We've done, they've done Jimmy Hoffa already. They've done Amelia Earhart already. They did, did, uh, covered Judge Crater. They covered the disappearance of Charlie Ross, who is the namesake for the Charlie Project. And... Sources tell me that the next Unfound on the Ground for these $12 a month premium Patreon supporters is going to be the disappearance of Glenn Miller. You know, the Glenn Miller Orchestra, most people don't realize that he disappeared. Famous guy. And so I think that's going to be the next Unfound on, on the Ground. So for $12 a month, you get access to that. And I would also say with that $12 a month, um, you also get access to the very, 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 very private think tank group that is on Facebook that nobody can find because it's blocked except for those members. And I would say that the th the people who at $12 a month kind of just have a easier access to me because these people really get to know me, I think, a little better because of like the think tank and everything. We have much more one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so that's for $12 a month. And then if you really, really want to step up for $20 a month, you get actually signed printed books from me. So that's where it goes. $2, $5, $12, $20. I think they're fantastic deals. And I hope you will consider becoming a member. If all you can do is $2 a month, fine. Great. Happy to have you. So there you go. Uh, I just haven't talked about that. I am going to be listing this on the on the website, in the discussion group, on the Facebook page, because really I haven't talked about it much recently, and it's things have changed. So I'll be doing that within the next couple of days, but I thought this would be a good time um, 
to uh, try it out. Uh, everything, should I get a star? You should get a star. And it's worthy. Yes. What about Craig Freer? Well, what about Craig Freer, Sarah? The Oracle, late to the show, but I made it. Thank you, The Oracle. Veronica, sound worth it to me. I will be joining. Thank you, Veronica. It'd be great to have you. I love the Unfound Books. I did all of that, everything. Welcome, Sarah. Kathy, Jimmy Stewart played Glenn Miller in the movie. Good movie. Is that right, Kathy? Kathy is a wealth of information. But I think pretty sure that the next disappearance that Eric will be covering uh, is the disappearance of Glenn Miller, famous orchestra person leader band leader big time famous it would be like um who would it be today that would be uh like that somebody who would go missing like that in the music industry who is still alive it would be like um i don't know let me think maybe some of some of you can think up of somebody somebody who would be you would be comparable to glenn miller uh, today, if that person would go missing, that's how big of a deal it was when he went missing back in the 1940s. And Sharice says, also a free way to support the channel is the like, share, and follow on all social media platforms. Thank you, Sharice, for reminding everybody. So that is Patreon. And if uh, you didn't write that all down, I will be typing it all out and putting it in the discussion group on the Facebook page on the website. So um, you should check it out. Uh, I think it's very reasonable. I think it's one of the best deals going in all of Patreon. And I think the great deal here for the YouTube channel as well. I think that they're all great deals. I think I try to make it uh, a lot of bang for your buck because I always know that's what I like too. All right, moving on. Rouse Chapman, uh, for some reason, he is that's just now being entered in the Alabama Missing Persons Database. Nine years, I think it's been since he went missing and finally only now he's being entered. Why do I think it took this long? I think it took this long probably because of what we talked about. One of the, the issues that we talked about in the episode when his father was the guest. And that is the sighting of Riles that happened up in the panhandle of Florida. I forget how long it was after it wasn't like the next day, but some point in Within that next year, somebody who knew Raul's family, she was working as a waitress or something in Panama City up in the panhandle, and she claims that Raul showed up with some people there. I have to admit, surprisingly, I was inclined to believe this sighting, I think. That's the way I remember it. But I think because of that, that might have put on hold him being entered into the Alabama database. Now he's in, of course, the NamUs database, but he was not in the Alabama has its own, but he is now in there. If you'd like to go check that out, I've not had an opportunity to do that yet. All I did was see the posting uh, about it. I think it maybe happened within the last couple of days. So Ross Chapman, that is a disappearance that, uh, we covered, I think, maybe back in 2019. Um, I think it was before COVID started, and I think we did that disappearance. I was already living in this place, so I think that was 2019. His father was the guest. You remember uh, he was living at his parents' place, like in the pool house in the back. Rouse had some things going on. His father goes back there to check out what's going on. He suspected something of Riles. Riles wouldn't let him in. And then Ross took off running down the street, uh, never to be seen again. 
Uh, although maybe the sighting of him in, in Panama City up in the panhandle of Florida maybe is believable. That was Riles Chapman. And Riles walking on the beach with a guy and girl. That's right. Thank you, Kathy. And then the last, uh, that's really all I have for kind of unfound news. Not a lot. Um, of course, a lot of things going on next week. Uh, of course, I'll talk about this more next Monday. I'm actually going to be speaking at two schools next Monday, Monday or next week. Uh, I will be speaking at, at um, a college right over here in Lakeland, which is about an hour and 15 minutes away. Although when I'm going to have to drive over there, it's probably going to take two hours to get there. But I'll be speaking there next Tuesday morning to two classes, doing presentations there, which I'm going to have to work on this weekend. And then on Thursday, I will be at Nova Southeastern University again. I will be driving down there on Wednesday. I got an Airbnb near there. Uh, I got a, I did that last year too. I got a hotel room. And I will be staying over. So I'll be driving down there on Wednesday afternoon slash evening and then staying over till Thursday and then speaking to a class. And then I'll have all day to kind of just hang out on campus and do whatever. And, and Dr. Telesco even asked me, what are you going to be doing? Cause we're going to go to lunch, but then, you know, everybody has things to do, but I'm going to do a live show down there with Dr. Telesco that evening at seven o'clock. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, Dr. Telesco, as long as I have Wi-Fi, I will just set up somewhere and I, I'm sure I'll find something to do regarding Unfound. Do not even worry about it. I'm just, it'll be great to be there. Just hang out on campus for a while. Trust me, I'll enjoy it. So I'll speak in the morning, go to lunch with Dr. Telesco and some other people, which we're of course looking forward to, and then just hang out. And then we're going to do uh, a show that both of us in person, uh, that evening on Thursday on their unfound on their YouTube channel. And this is coming full circle because you may not remember this, but that is originally what was supposed to happen back in 2020. I had, we had already settled on a date for me to go down to Nova Southeastern university to do a show in person, but then COVID hit. And so then of course, for this time we've been doing these, Live shows, Dr. Telesco once a month, you know, just over Zoom or whatever. Well, finally, two years, two and a half years later almost, we're finally going to do a show together in the same, you know, in the same room together. So finally, and I'm really looking forward to it. We're not going to be discussing a particular disappearance. I don't want to blow it. I'm not going to jinx it just yet. We will not be covering a specific disappearance. We're going to, uh, have a different kind of show. But like I said, I'll talk about a lot about that um, uh, next uh, next Monday. Sarah says, as updates or your theory um, on, on what, Sarah? Uh, maybe you can uh, expound on that uh, a little uh, bit. As updates or your theory, and, and then you start any. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Maybe you can just type it out again, Sarah. I'll be happy to answer your question. All right, so moving on. Now we've got an hour to go and got some uh, national news to cover. I want to start with this, and this was a story going back to July. I think I talked about it at the time. I did not go back and check the live show uh, 
outlines for the time. But uh, if you'll remember, there was this one Christina Powell mother who went missing. She had left her phone, her Apple Watch behind. Uh, she was supposed to be going to work, but she never ended up getting there. Maybe some of you might remember, maybe if this is not ringing a bell, there was a video of her actually leaving her house, walking out the door that was played on the news, and she went missing for a while. She went missing the day after July 4th, July 5th, and this happened in the San Antonio area. And people were wondering, you know, what went on here. And I have to, I, I remember this once again. I don't remember specifically talking about it on this live show. But I said at the time, this just did, I was thinking at the time, this just doesn't seem like a foul play kind of disappearance. And that happened on July 5th. On July 23rd, so, uh, my business math experience tells me that was 18 days later. So two and a half weeks later, she was found in a parking lot uh, in her vehicle and she was deceased. And at least, you know, the quick view of it, looking at her without any forensics done or a coroner's report, it didn't look like there was any foul play. And now we, we now have uh, the coroner's report on, why, on how she died, how Christina Powell died. And she died due to alcohol poisoning. She essentially drank herself to death. Now why that is, and it probably it was a combination of her going to drink and then also it being, of course, July in San Antonio. I mean, over 100 degrees probably easily. All of that put together. And maybe it, being that we just called, covered Kyle Fleischman's disappearance, maybe that's we'll, need to really consider that with his disappearance. Also too much alcohol, but instead of being too hot, maybe it being too cold. So the coroner's report has come out. And it says that she died of alcohol poisoning, no signs of foul play. She was not murdered, no suspicious circumstances, anything else. Um, you know, what does this mean? How can it be? Now, granted, I don't know anything about it. Uh, we did talk to Sheree. Sheree saying we talked about it. You called it. Okay, uh, Sheree remembers these things. Thank you for remembering, Sheree. Uh, and I, I, and I got it right. Well, that's, that's good to know. Um, you know, what does this mean? My perception is that, and I, I could say this about unfound's own discussion group that has 8,500 members in it. And I'm ecstatic. There's so many people in it. And I can remember where there only is like 60 some people in it going back to like November of 2016 when it, first started. I remember those days and now it's 8,500, but I can even say this about the unfound's own group, which I essentially control with a couple of my assistants moderating it and everything else. Even unfound's own discussion group skews, in my opinion, way too much towards foul play when it comes to disappearances. I was just talking about that regarding Kyle Fleischman's disappearance. How many people, 70% of them think it was foul play. Certainly possible. 
But it is, um, it is amazing how often that is the choice. And I think what gets lost in all of this is that people, adults, uh, are much more likely to die um, from their own doing. You know, we, we have a huge, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, and this it's illustrates this. We have a huge addiction problem in the United States of everything, everything, both legal and illegal. We have a big alcohol is legal for people 21 and up. Huge addiction problem to alcohol in the United States. We have a huge drug addiction problem to both illegal and legal drugs in the United States. We have a huge mental health issue. We have a huge suicide problem. All of these things, and none of it has anything to do with foul play. And there's, is there a lot being done about it? I give all the credit in the world to people who have devoted their lives to helping people with addictions. You know, people, whether you believe in alcohol anonymous or whatever else, um, you know, narcotics anonymous, whatever it is, all those people who devote uh, their lives to helping people like that, it's spectacular because they are surely, um, you know, it's like emptying the sea a teaspoon at a time. Maybe a lot like covering disappearances where you know what the total number is, you know how many you can cover well at, you know, one a week or something. And just knowing that, you know, I could live to be 100 years old and there could not be one disappearance for the next 48 years. And I still wouldn't come close to covering all of them. That's how many there are. So, but we have these huge problems. And my belief is a lot of people have these problems and people who are around them don't even know it. Now, you, of course, you'll just have to trust me in saying, you know, I don't have any addictions. You could come look in my refrigerator. I think I have one bottle of beer in there, but that's only in case my brother comes over. Um, I have some alcohol that my, my father left here that hasn't been touched since he was here in May like mojito mix and other stuff. Uh, you know, I just never, we talked about this. I don't get into the stuff. I've never smoked a cigarette. I'm not 420 friendly, all, none of it. But a lot of people do get into that stuff and they do let it get out of control. And my guess with Christina Powell is that probably she had more th- other things going on maybe that didn't have anything to do with alcohol. Alcohol might've just been an outlet for her to cover some of these things up. And, uh, you know, as I, I think somebody within the last four, five, six live shows asked me, you know, why is it that you never got into a drinking and how, how did you avoid that? And, uh, I, I decided early, I discovered very early on that people who I knew when they would get drunk, I liked them less. They weren't nicer. They weren't funnier. They weren't more personable. There was nothing better about them when they were drinking. Zero. So I could only think that that would probably be the same situation for myself. I would be less funny, less personable, less a good person, less attractive, everything else. There's no reason to do it. 
And this goes with you know, things. And of course, we have gambling addictions and all these things. And so just can't forget these things when we start thinking about disappearances. We cannot forget these things. We can, it's just not in a vacuum that these – we know that these are problems in the United States. And it just amazes me sometimes that it seems like people just kind of push those things aside when they start thinking about disappearances. It's very sad with Christina Powell. I don't know what could have been done about it. I don't. I, I don't know anything about her. I don't. It just. Just. I'm just a person, just like the rest of you, not knowing her, only reading the news reports, and everything. But this should be a textbook case that we should remember, being that it is that it was so high profile, and all sorts of people thinking she got abducted and on all of this. And it never seemed that way. Whereas with, um, you know, Eliza Fletcher, a little bit different. You know, the thing about Christina Powell was that she obviously, you know, she lied to a bunch of people. That she was going to work, she didn't go to work. And that should be a huge tip-off right there that this was not an abduction. Should have been. Uh, Craig Freer, uh, any theories, uh, updates? Uh, oh, oh, regarding Craig Freer, uh, Sarah, um, no updates. There hasn't been anything that's new that's come out on Craig Freer's disappearance in a long time. We de- did revisit his disappearance this past summer where I did some new commentary, just kind of looking at it because we, I covered that disappearance back in 2017, but it's been five years. Just wanted to add uh, a new perspective to it. But as far as my theory goes, you know, I don't talk a lot about my theories publicly, but I'm not convinced that there was any foul play in his disappearance, Sarah. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Valerie says, I feel like I know you after the countless years I've been listening to. You're a good guy. Well, thank you, Valerie. Puma says, I'm just addicted to, to crime. Well, everything should be taken in moderation, Puma. Call, I'm addicted to bunnies. Well, who isn't? Valley Puma, yes, me too. More you know, missing persons. Okay, so Christina Powell, once again, if you didn't know, the coroner's report has come out uh, now that it's been like a month and a half later since she was discovered dead in her car. She died of alcohol poisoning. No foul play. Moving on, I want to talk about, remember this, um, this, this, the, this couple who... Um, ex-boyfriend, the woman and her ex-boyfriend and the two-year-old daughter from Maine and they disappeared. Remember that from a few months ago? Everybody's very suspicious. Well, there's an update to that story and happily, they're all alive and well. Uh, Nobody's more surprised than I am, but allow me to read the story to you. A missing Maine woman, her ex-boyfriend and their two-year-old daughter have been found safe weeks after they disappeared during a family trip. The Sanford Police Department said it had spoken with Nicholas Hansen, Jill Sidebotham, and Lydia Hansen via the phone and video chat. The three vanished after setting off on June 27th for a three-day camping trip. The Sanford Police Department can report that each party is unharmed and safe and no evidence of criminal behavior has been observed, police said in a Facebook post. We also had verification that they were safe from local law enforcement who met with them in person. Uh, 
During the search for the trio, investigators took looked into several leads they were cited on July, June 29th and July 2nd at a Walmart in Mexico, Maine, about 100 miles from Sidebotham's home in Sanford. The Maine Warden Service led two aerial searches around Mexico and Rangili, Rangil for the family. Despite reports that Hansen may have been abusive, police have no evidence that Sidebotham was in distress and she went on to on the trip voluntarily, Fox News Digital reported in July. Hansen's state criminal records contained no violent convictions. Images released by the authorities at the time showed the three entering a store at the Coos Canyon campground on June 29th. In different screen grabs from surveillance video, both parents can be seen carrying Lydia. Sidebotham's family told the Boston Globe in July that Hansen asked her to go on an impromptu trip on June 27th. Um, her parents advised her not to accept Hansen's invitation to go camping, the elder Sidebotham, who did not respond to Fox News Digital's inquiry, told several media outlets. I think this is the best outcome we could have uh, hoped for. I mean, we have these stories about these families disappearing. We know, of course, the family in California ended up being murdered by the, the father or husband's business partner, and they ended up, all four of them, being found out in the desert in California. And then we had this family, was it from Colorado or Oklahoma, that they disappeared and then their remains were found. Uh, this was going back some years now. Uh, they were found, and I still don't think we ever got uh, an official cause of death of what happened to them. They were found in a like in a hiking area or something. I forget their names right off the top of my head. I did not put their name in the notes, but their remains were found. But uh, like I said, publicly, I've never seen um, uh, a reason for them being deceased. And then way more recently, I think we had a story from, was it last year, Cherie? And we had this, this, uh, this couple and their baby and their dog. They all died all together just in one group. And it was, they were trying to figure out, uh, you know, what had happened to them. And I can remember talking to Sheree about this and I put out the idea out there. Did they get struck by lightning or something? And it turned out they all died due to dehydration, which just does not seem like it ever could happen in the 21st century being that it seems that people are drinking more water than ever, but this family went on some sort of hike with their, Infant, very, very, very young baby, and their dogs, and they all died. So maybe a lot of you who followed this story knew about this story from back in June, uh, heard about it, and were thinking the worst. They're all alive and well. I don't know what they've been doing all this time. I don't know where they've been living. But see, um, Sharice says they actually ran away. She was in another relationship and left her whole life. And a son to run off with him. Yeah, the Jameson family, right, Kathy? Is, uh, the Jameson family, is that the one from California? Um, what is the name of the other family, though? The other one, Kathy? I'm sure you'll be able to find that. Sure, he says, yes, that was crazy. Yes, the family that, uh, of course, I, I know I talked about it on a live show that uh, they were thinking, was it something in the air? Was it methane? Did, you know, was there some toxic algae bloom or, or something? 
And I, I, of course, at the time dismissed all of that. Never did I think, though, that it was going to be dehydration for them all just to, to die in a huddle like they were all close to each other. But that's what it was. And uh, yeah, the McStays, thank you, LaFord. So one was the Jameson family. The other is the McStays. The McStays uh, are the ones from California. The Jameson family was the, the family that drove up into the hills and they were found all deceased not far from their vehicle. And I think to this day, we still don't know how, you know, somebody's wrong. Uh, please correct me, but we still do not have a cause of death for that, right? That's in Oklahoma. Thank you, Jasmine. Um, yeah, I can't look up anything while on the live show. Okay, Kathy, thank you. Uh, but we just don't, um, you know, have a cause of death for that. Cherry says Garish was their name. Rather, family with a baby and dog. That's right, Veronica. Puma, guy died just last week at Paladura Canyon in Texas. Heat dehydration, yeah. I, I realize that it can come up on you fairly quickly, but, uh, you know, for uh, two adults... You know, to really decide they're going to go out with and not bring enough water and having a dog and their child with them. And I don't know. Now, granted, I will be honest with you. I've, you know, a couple times out in the disc golf course, I've had a couple times when I was like, wow, I don't feel very good out here. That happened over in me in Orlando a couple times. Not in an actual tournament, tournament, but in practice rounds, probably when I'm pushing myself a little too much, throwing too many discs, trying to hurry through the course, maybe overexerting myself. But that happened, where did that happen recently somewhere? Oh yeah, it happened down at Estero, where I ended up winning anyway, but those last few baskets were not fun. That's when it happened to me. So I know the feeling... It's just amazing that a family with a child or infant would allow that to happen, and the dog too. So this is surprising. Getting back to this story with the Hansons um, and, and the side Botham, uh, you just never know. Um, but I, as I have in my notes here, this is why disappearances are so tough. This kind of looks a lot like the Jamesons, or the mistakes, but it's not. And I'm, I'm happy it's not. I'm ecstatic that it's not. But it takes such a dis discerning eye to be able to tell the difference. I think that there are differences. And we continue to work toward that point where we can look at a variety of disappearances that look the same, but then pick out why they aren't. But... Um, but I will raise my hand if I thought something bad happened here. I'll raise my hand and say, yeah, I thought something bad happened. What's wrong? You know, but I guess the issue is, I guess something bad still could happen uh, should the relationship go poorly. Um, Veronica, wasn't water found with them? I, I really, uh, regarding the this family, I just don't remember... I, all I know is they died of dehydration. So, but dehydration, very much like hypothermia, dehydration, you start getting into that and your mind stops working. You start doing like the opposite of what you should be doing. You start drinking sand 
And if you have hypothermia, you start taking your clothes off, even though it's freezing out, your body just wants to do the exact opposite thing. It's just, just, you know, it's crazy. But if you hadn't seen this, uh, I wanted to tell you about it. Uh, it's, and, and I hope that all this, the, this, this couple and their baby, I hope they, uh, live very, very long, happy lives. I'm happy that they're all, uh, alive and well. Sure. Shri says, strange thing was that the dog died at the same time. Yeah. Maybe the dog was just, you know, was gonna, you know, dog the way dogs are, they'll stick with you. Maybe didn't want to leave. Um, all right. So there's that story. I now want to talk about, do a follow-up. And, and then once again, this is a kind of a national news story that I talked about last week. Of course, it kind of is close to me in a way being that I used to live in Las Vegas and I can actually remember reading this guy's work while I lived there. And I got his name wrong, even though it looks like Jeff German, it's actually Jeff German. So you pronounce it G-U-H-R-M-A-N-N, even though it looks like German with an N on the end. Jeff German, I talked about this last uh, live show a week ago on September 5th, that he had been murdered. He'd been stabbed to death outside of his house. And it seemed even while, while I was talking about this last week, the police were on in hot pursuit. Uh, and they had a very good suspect that was then revealed a couple days later. They were able to use uh, video from the area from like, uh, of course people have those ring uh, video cameras now that uh, can video people outside houses and police were able to use a variety of video evidence to piece together uh, and, and determine that there was someone who was obviously trying to hide his uh, face in a disguise, covering up, trying, I think, to make himself look like some sort of landscaper or something with one of these like big straw hats down over his face, sunglasses, everything. And they were able to determine this kind guy kind of just came into the neighborhood right around when uh, the stabbing happened. And so they were able to follow like video backwards and they were able to see that there was a uh, a very nice maroon SUV in the area at the time that this person was driving. Well, somehow they were able to track down who this person was that by using by seeing the vehicle and maybe getting the license plate. And that guy's name is Robert Tellis, T E L L E S. And he worked in Clark County as what they call the public administrator. And what this office does, it manages properties and possessions of people uh, that die. And before wills can be read and all of that, you know, the family can get involved in everything. The government will come in, the, city, the local Clark County government will t- come in and kind of manage it and make sure nothing's stolen or all of that until all of it can be handled. Well, it seems within the last couple of years, Jeff German has been going hard at it uh, against Robert Tellis because uh, it, it seems, at least the stories go, 
that he wasn't doing such a very good job. There was some corruption allegedly going on there. And I think even describing what this office does may lead to some uh, corruption, you might say, when you start managing other people's stuff. And there were allegations that he was having a relationship with one of his employees, one of his underlings in this department, on and on and on. And Jeff had a reputation for going back many, many years of latching onto a story and not letting it go, covering the mafia in Las Vegas, a whole bunch of other things. Well, he latched onto this, wouldn't let it go. Robert Tellis um, uh, had a lot of things to say himself about all of this and saying that none of this was true. But I think what the final straw was in all this, of course, this is just alleged. He's just the alleged murder at this time, technically. But I think the final straw was when Robert Tellis, uh, he was up for re-election and uh, didn't look or maybe the election was already happened, but um, didn't do so well in the election, lost his position. And it seems now that the police are charging Robert Tellis of actual public official uh, he was getting paid $120,000 a year in this position. And police are saying that he was the one who murdered Jeff Gurman because of why? Because Jeff Gurman of what Jeff had written about all of this in the preceding couple of years. And I'm going to guess that Robert Tellis, given his position and what he was doing, did not have any sort of criminal record. Certainly nothing violent on his record because you certainly would not be able to win a public office if you had something like that. You'd think somebody would certainly bring that up. But here he was, just a, I guess, seemingly a, a regular guy, seemingly not doing a very good job. And he was pushed to the point, allegedly, that he sought out Jeff Gurman, disguised himself, drove into that neighborhood, walked up to the house, he and Jeff Gurman got in a fight, and Robert Tellis allegedly killed Jeff Gurman. Now, I will tell you, when uh, I talked about this last week, talked a little bit about my own experience, because I talk a lot about a lot of bad people on here, people who we believe have done things. And I talked about how you just have to be very... Uh, cognizant of your surroundings. I can even tell you, just going up to Floral City this weekend, um, you know, I, I tend to keep things very close to the vest. And even though I'm playing disc golf, I really do keep an eye on everything else that's going on. And I think you just, I think that if you're going to be somebody who's in that type of reporting, doing that type of work, that's how you have to be. Now, obviously, this is, I'm going to call an isolated incident, incident, kind of a freaky incident. But not the first, and it's not going to be the last. And it very well could be that Jeff Gurman, even though he'd been doing this for many, many, many years and calling out a lot of people and bothering a lot of people and everything, it very well may be that he got maybe a little too complacent and maybe because he's at home, surely nobody would show up at my home 
and try to attack me or hurt me. Surely not. If they're going to do that, maybe, you know, at the grocery store, maybe when I'm driving, you know, to my office to do this work, never at home would somebody show up and, and do this. And that's what happened. So just, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I have to admit, I'm a little surprised by this. Even though I knew the kind of work that Jeff German did, I do, I guess at least I'm a little surprised that it was his work that actually caused this. I guess. And I think I said last week, you know, I'd have to know more about this area. Uh, is this, you know, where he was living? Do we have any crime statistics for that area? Were there any home break, break-ins going in around that time? Anything like that? Either way, just you got to be, you got to watch out. You can't become complacent um, because you never know. You know, they know about, you know, what I try to keep in mind is they know about me. And although we've talked about certain suspects on Unfound, I don't necessarily know about them. You know, they know about me. They know about the podcast. They know what I do. They probably know where I live and all of these things. Whereas, you know, they only have to follow one of me, whereas, you know, we've done 265 disappearances now. It's a little hard to keep track of everybody. So this is what got this reporter killed, allegedly. But the evidence seems to be pretty strong, and it does seem that uh, Vegas Metro got on this very, very quickly. And I kind of understand it because we don't want a situation in the United States where reporters are afraid of doing their jobs. And if you let uh, uh, the outright stabbing and murder uh, at a reporter's house stand and it can't be solved, you know, what does that do for free speech and the media and, and all of that? Nothing good. You might even say that about Jody Husentrude. I mean, I, I think that I don't know how many people knowing about Jody Husentrude's disappearance really think that she, somebody caused her disappearance because of the work that she was doing. She certainly was not doing the kind of work that Jeff German was doing. Uh, and, and I think that people are more inclined to believe that Jody Husentrude went missing, somebody caused her disappearance due to her just being on TV and somebody becoming obsessed with her. And that's, and I, I, I and it, it may just be, you know, she's uh, an attractive young woman. Somebody comes obsessed with her. Hey, women become obsessed with men on TV too. That can work both ways, but it's much less likely that a woman or is going to cause a man's abduction. It's much more likely, as we know, that men are going to be ca cause women's abductions. And if we want to go, you know, even, you know, do women cause other women's abductions? Fairly rare. Do men cause other men's abductions? It happens. But the most common type of abduction that goes on in the United States is men causing women's abductions or, you know, children's abductions. So... But like I said, I don't know if anybody really thinks that Jody Husentrude went missing because of some story she was covering. Although, 
it's been a theory out there. You know, was she working on something that people didn't know about and she got too close? But as I think you've heard Caroline Lowe and other people talk about, really wasn't what the kind of work that Jody uh, was doing. So there you go. Um, Puma says a crazy politician. Yeah, imagine that. Veronica trying to be uh, undercover but made himself stand out anyway. Good, he was caught. That's right. He he made himself so undercover that he stuck out. That's a good way to put it, Veronica. It's very, you know, he was, yeah, he, he, he had so much of a disguise, it, it, you just couldn't ignore him. It's like putting on camouflage and then being, being able to be seen more than ever. Uh, good detective work, right, Sarah? What about Brenda Sue Davidson? Any updates? Uh, Sarah, that's just uh, no updates. That's just the disappearance uh, that we covered recently. So, no. Um, Richard said Jeff was a reporter doing his job. I get it. I agree. I agree. Um, but like I said, I also think it's possible that maybe Jeff had been doing this for so long and had a lot of threats made against him and everything else and nothing ever happened that he probably thought it's never going to happen. We have to be open to that. Got to be vigilant. Veronica, why not? That's where most you're vulnerable for crazy is out for you. That was your home relaxing. Well, yeah, Veronica. I don't know though. Um, it would surely be the most obvious place, but you have to rely on the person opening the door or you have to rely on, you know, breaking in or something like that. Whereas just waiting for the person to come outside. And it doesn't sound like that's what happened here. Richard, I believe was abducted and killed by a sexual predator, Jody. Okay. Valerie, I'm behind the, but entire family, no water like that. And what in the world? Crazy. Yes, Valerie, I agree. So we've got Valerie and Veronica in here. I have to keep them straight. Okay. So there is a man in custody. His name is Robert Tellis. He's a public administrator, does not hold that position anymore because he lost this election, which I'm guessing police will say and the prosecution will say this is what drove him to track down Jeff German and murder him once again, though, allegedly. So moving on, I want to talk about, uh, you know, we had this. Let me make sure here something. Okay. I want to read this story to you. You'll remember maybe a few months ago, I covered a story about some, was it soccer players or from Haiti who came here to Florida for some sort of tournament and they disappeared. Remember that from a few months ago? I think they maybe came over to Orlando for a tournament. And as soon as they landed or maybe the day they were supposed to go back, one of the coaches and five of the players Poof, gone. And to my knowledge, they've not been tracked down yet. I, I have to admit, I haven't been following that story, but I've seen no news that these people have been tracked down. Of course, there's no belief that anything bad, anything bad happened to these people. I think instead, uh, people believe that, and I happen to believe they just didn't want to go back to Haiti. Well, I have another story like that that I want to read to you. And um, what exactly are we supposed to do about these types of situations? Cause these are disappearances too, 
But being that these are foreigners coming into the United States, what should be done? Let me read the story to you. The South African Continental Squad Pro Touch were readying themselves for one of the biggest race days of their season at the Maryland Cycling Classic. So they're from South Africa, and they're in the state of Maryland here in the Maryland in the United States, which uh, for all of you non-Americans, uh, if you don't know where Maryland is, it's on the East Coast, on the uh, on the Atlantic Ocean, and it's it's one of those states that's right near Washington, D.C., like Washington, Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, all right in that area right there around Washington, D.C., near the Atlantic Ocean or on the Atlantic Ocean, east side of the United States. Lining up along the side, the likes of Michael Matthews, Dylan Grongle-Wigan, Giacomo Nozzolo, and Magnus Court, Pro Touch post an illustration on their Instagram depicting the six riders who'd be representing them on the east coast of the United States against the backdrop of an American flag. They proceeded to post individual photos of only five of the riders, building excitement, followed later by a group shot of the same five riders 10 minutes before the start in Baltimore County. There was, however, one rider missing. Their 24-year-old Rwandan rider Samuel Mogisha, the overall winner of the 2018 Tour de Rwanda, got on his flight and arrived in America on Wednesday, August 31st, as planned the team has converged. But instead of making his way to the, the arranged transfer to meet up with his squad, as had been organized, he made his own arrangements to be collected at the airport. You can tell this is written, uh, it's English, but collected. It's not something we usually uh, say in the United States. Anyway, Mugisha never arrived at the team accommodation or, or the race he was supposed to line up at, which was won by Israel Premier Tech's Sepp Van Markey. ProTouch Pro Touch and the American Classics organizers have reported Mugisha as a missing person with the authorities. Cycling Tips understands there is no concern for Mugisha's safety after security footage showed the rider being collected, once again that word, by police people he knew at the airport. African athletes often struggle when seeking visas to compete internationally in what is already a difficult process, and Mugisha's disappearance is unlikely to help the situation. Athletes going missing while involved in international competition isn't an uncommon phenomenon. At the 2018 Commonwealth Game on Australia's Gold Coast, there you go, the real, 13 athletes athletes from Cameroon, Rwanda, Uganda and Sierra Leone vanished while more than 40 went missing overstayed or sought asylum at the 2006 games in Melbourne. Once again, look at Australia getting so much mentioned in this live show tonight. The real, you have to be liking this at the 2012 London Olympic games, 21 athletes and coaches disappeared and some still haven't been found. And once again, I'll remind you from a few months ago, there was this story about players. I think it was soccer players from Haiti who came here for some sort of tournament in here in Florida, and at least five or six of them disappeared before going back to Haiti. So the question is, what are we supposed to do about this? How much work? Of course, we know when it comes to the disappearances 
that we cover on Unfound, which are not of this type, by the way, um, we want them solved. We want them solved for a lot of different reasons. One of the main reasons being um, we believe that foul play occurred in many of them. Not all of them. Certainly over 50% of them, not 90%, maybe in the 60 to 70% range, maybe. And so it's important to us that if there are killers walking the streets, that they should be in custody and these people need to be found and there are families out there who uh, deserve answers. That's one of the reasons uh, that disappearances are important to us. Then we have those other disappearances where it doesn't look like foul play, but we know that still there are people who are, you know, families, as you've heard on Unfound, even though it's not believed that there was foul play, but still these families um, have a lot of unanswered questions. They have to live with this. It's horrible. Um, and this is another reason that we want these disappearances solved. And of course, we could always be wrong. It doesn't look like there was foul play, but maybe there was foul play. We could always be wrong on that. And of course, sometimes we think there was foul play and there wasn't. And I, I've, I've gotten some of the, I've had, that, I've had that happen to me. But of course, for the most part, we're talking about American citizens when we're talking about disappearances in the United States, although there are exceptions. We have David Medato, Mershir, Kent Monroe from Canada who disappeared down that way like three hours back in 1994. Um, Marco Island, which I'll be just passing uh, next week, driving down that way. But still, American authorities, authorities looked into it. Uh, still a lot of unanswered questions regarding these three men's disappearances. Jeff Wandich said it was all an accident. I'm not sure many people believe that. But still, these are foreigners are here. American authorities put some time into um, trying to figure out what happened. But there was never any allegations that these three men from Canada came to the United States and went missing because they didn't want to go back to Canada. So being that you're in this uh, forum tonight, if you're listening or watching, disappearances must be important to you. So how much work should American authorities put into trying to find these people who really the reason they went missing is because they just don't want to go back to their home country? How much work, you know, of course we know Law enforcement already has a, a bunch of stuff to do regarding American citizens for you know everything that goes on here. And we know a lot goes on here. How much work should be put into trying to track these athletes down who come to the United States and never have any intention of going back to their host country, to their actual country? They make arrangements to show up here, whether it's for a cycling race, a soccer game. They already know people here. These people pick up them up at the airport and they just disappear into the fabric of the United States, probably being given money, uh, being given food, being, uh, you know, staying someplace um, with people they know. Of course, there is also the belief maybe that they are being, maybe they got 
kind of, you know, somebody said that uh, they would take care of the person. Maybe they got, you know, they're forcibly being kept here. But I don't think in the situations we're talking about here, this is what we're really talking about when it comes to athletes coming here uh, voluntarily and then just so happening to get together with people who uh, whisk them off. What are we supposed to do about this? Um, let's see here. Um, Puma's reminding everybody to hit the like button. Please give a thumbs up. Yes, before you're done. Uh, the Real said, I'd forgotten all about that, but it's ringing a bell now. Oh, from the um, from your own uh, Australia stories, The Real. Good to see her. Uh, you have to be pleased that Australia's getting mentioned on the live show tonight. Richard Puma, Jane, Ed could use some more subs as well. He could. Good question. Puma, well, come and join the Unfound Tribe. Yeah, Puma. The Real, to be honest, if... If I knew one of the people were living next door to me, I'd be turning a blind eye and not breathing a word. All right. So once again, everybody should know that The Real is an Australia viewer and listener. She's also part of the Think Tank group. And being an Australian, she's representing Australia tonight. She just doesn't think it's any big deal. If these athletes are coming from these countries, we know, I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, you've heard about things that have gone on Rwanda, the genocide there, Uganda, same thing, Sierra Leone, same thing. Not here. um, I mean, this, this happens in other countries outside of Africa as well. And in fact, even in my uh, notes here, I have North Korea. Not that I could ever imagine. Um, given the relationship between the United States and North Korea, that if we have the next Olympic games, that they would send any athletes to the United States. But I do know when North Korean athletes are sent to other countries, they're, you know, they're really, they're herded around like cattle. They're not trusted to go off on their own or anything else. But you know, so this happens in other countries besides uh, Africa. We're not picking on that continent or any countries there. We know that this could happen uh, from countries in South America. People don't want to live there. They go someplace else. Even if they're going to Europe, let's say they're going to someplace uh, like Germany for soccer, and maybe they, they disappear there. I suppose any combination of things uh, could happen between all sorts of different countries. But we know the reasons that people do this. And is it so important that these people are tracked down because we already know the reason they don't want to go back. And we also have to believe that these people who have come to the United States, once again, as athletes, Then choosing to go missing, they don't compete. They came here only for the reason, hoping to be able to stay. We also have to realize that if we were to track them down in the United States and send them back, how much trouble they're going to be in when they get back to their host country. And what kind of moral obligation do we have there? For example, if we want to be, you know, to go to an extreme example, let's say a contingent of 
North Korean athletes came to the United States. Uh, of course, let's just say, uh, for example, the next World Cup, of course, it's here in Qatar this year. Four years from now, it's going to be in the United States, Mexico, and Canada combined. Let's say that a North Korean soccer team uh, qualifies for the World Cup and comes here. And while the team is there, a couple of their athletes manage to get away from the security and everything and vanish into the United States, all 330 million of us. Are we really saying that we should track these people down and find them and send them back to North Korea? Because we have to realize if we send these people back to North Korea, they're probably going to be executed. Now, I'm not saying it is with these other countries, but these are the kind of moral quandaries you get into when these types of disappearances occur. We want disappearances solved. That's why we're here. That's why Unfound exists. But could there be certain types of disappearances that maybe just aren't worth looking into? Is that a possibility? It's it's really a moral quandary. I realize they shouldn't be doing this. I realize that these people who come to the United States for these kinds of functions and events shouldn't do these things. But on the other hand, if they too choose to do those things, what are we supposed to do about them? What are we supposed to do about it? Because surely what they're doing, the the punishment that they're going to get once being sent back to their home country is much worse than the crime. Very much worse than that. The damage a couple athletes, uh, you know, do on the United States for coming here and disappearing and not going to their cycling event, there's no damage. And, and of course, unless they become criminals and start killing people. Other than that, no damage. So, you know, like I said, it's very, uh, Veronica's saying, yes, yes. I mean, yes, I didn't make the laws rules, but we follow, you know, I just wonder if that's in the spirit of the law. It's certainly the letter of the law, but I wonder if it's the spirit of the law. So it's, like I said, it's just something that's come up. Uh, it's, this is like maybe the third time is since the live show, uh, started five years ago that this topic has come up, has not come up very much, but I think we get so obsessed in solving disappearances and we want them solved. And we have to realize that there may be a certain type of disappearance that isn't worth looking into. And, and just within like, I know within the last three or four months, I talked about the opposite side of this, where there are countries where governments make people go missing due to maybe being outspoken against that government, maybe because they're trying to leave the country and don't successfully do so. We might, you know, just to not pick any on any current country, but maybe we could go back to the times of the uh, Iron Curtain. Maybe you want to think about East Germany and West Germany and Berlin and the Berlin Wall and how many people 
uh, tried to escape from East Germany and East Berlin into West Berlin, trying to get to the West, getting out of that country uh, over many years. How many people were killed trying to leave? Um, you know, how many people were, you know, essentially shot or whatever else trying to get through the barbed wire and over the Berlin Wall into West Germany. And here's what I know, you know, talking about maybe this is a very good comparison about what we should do in the United States when this happened. Here's what I know. Not once did West Berlin or West Germany ever send any of those defectors back. Not once. If you manage to get through the Berlin Wall, and there's all sorts of documentaries on how people did this using hot air balloons and going underground and hiding in cars and going down into the sewers and everything else to get out of East Germany, really going from East Berlin to West Berlin. And the only reason I know this, for some reason, I have this weird fascination with like East Germany and and everything that was going on there at the time. It's fascinating to me for some reason. Um, Not once did West Germany or West Berlin ever send one of those people even though they were going into West Germany illegally. Of course, why didn't they do it? They know as soon as they send those people back, those people are dead. So I think this is something to think about when we hear these types of stories about people coming to the United States and then vanishing into the fabric, uh, maybe all on their own, or they had something uh, prearranged. Something to think about. Uh, cult of bunny says, I didn't see nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I hear no evil. I see no evil. I, yeah, I didn't see anything. I don't, you're asking me about some athlete who came in. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Me you know, playing stupid Veronica. I worry how they are going to make a living. Well, that's true. Veronica, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I realize, you know, I'm not here to get into politics and everything. It's a big concern, but I just know how other countries, in history have handled people who have gotten into their own countries, uh, whether they got in legally and then didn't want to leave or they got into the country illegal. Like I just used the example of East Germany and West Germany, West Germany didn't send those people back. In fact, dare I say it, I think that West Berlin wanted more of those people because they knew how bad it was there. They wanted more people. So there's that. Interesting story. We cover disappearances. We talk about all different types of disappearances here at Unfound. And I would like to become an expert in all of these. But like I said, we can also cannot forget the other. We have the the disappearances that we cover on Found. These kind of ones, you know, average everyday people, maybe being lured, maybe walking off on their own, maybe some accidents. And then we have this kind of disappearance where people go to other countries and choose to go missing all on their own. And then the other kind of disappearance is, like I said before, when governments actually cause people's disappearances, their own citizens, to go missing for a whole host of reasons. Um, Shari Street says, no different than the couple from Maine that left due to allegations of abuse. Yeah. All right, so I wanted to talk about that. Let's now move 
um, to this Friday's disappearance. This is the disappearance of Paris Hopson, H-O-P-S-O-N. She disappeared from Massillon, Ohio, which is kind of in that eastern Ohio, Cleveland area. I've been there. Actually went to college with some people from Massillon, Ohio. If you can believe it, she disappeared on Christmas Day of 2019. Her mother, Rochelle, is the guest. I did the interview with Rochelle yesterday. She did a fantastic job, both audio and video. And the title of this episode is going to be Sleepless in Ohio. And the reason it's going to be called this is because in the days and weeks leading up to Paris's disappearance, she was having problems sleeping. She, she and her mother lived together. Uh, uh, Rochelle seems to think that she knew her daughter very well. And just those last few days before she went missing, for some reason, Paris was having problems sleeping and she never did tell her mother what the problem was. And so what happened on Christmas day, just the general facts is that she, Paris and her mother, Rochelle, uh, were in Canton. They're, they're actually lived in Columbus. But they had gone to a friend's house and stayed over in Canton, Ohio. And then on Christmas Day, they drove to Maslin where Rochelle's parents, so Paris's grandparents, lived. Of course, they're getting together with, for Christmas with a bunch of other family members. They get there early afternoon. And Rochelle decides, you know, I'd like to take a shower before we start, you know, um, having dinner and everything. But while she went in to take a shower... Paris took their car and left and then left in the car for like 10 minutes, came back, no explanation as to where she went. Then after uh, Rochelle came out of the shower, they're all hanging out. Paris is outside. It's December in Ohio. She's outside pacing. She once again will not tell anybody what's going on. But then she says, you know what? I'm going to just take a little walk. I'm going to take a walk down to the park, and I'll be back. Paris walked away, never to be seen again. Her And her mother, still to this day, of course, it's not been that long since this disappearance, can still remember walking down the street, never to be seen again, in broad daylight on Christmas Day 2019. Uh, some of the tough things to understand, though, is that Paris did take her purse but she did not take her so for some reason she took her ID and her credit card out of her purse and she also left her phone behind so once again this friday the disappearance of paris hopson h o p s o n from maslin ohio december 25th of 2019 yes christmas day her mother rochelle hopson is the guest the title is Sleepless in, Sleepless in Ohio, and the theme will be thinking about other disappearances that Unfound has covered where people seem to be acting out of character before the disappearance has happened. What can we, you know, what do we think about that? Can we learn anything from that? Uh, does it, does their, their unique actions mean anything to, to the disappearance 
or not. And of course, you'll have to determine that regarding Paris's disappearance because she never did tell anybody why she seemed to be had be very anxious, wasn't sleeping well, etc. Um, Marlene says, I know I'm super late. Hello, everyone. Uh, hello. You are very, very, uh, you've been in the hospital. Wow, Marlene. Okay. All right. You better catch up, Marlene. Uh, so, cause I did a great show just for you tonight, Marlene. I want you to know that just for you, the show was great. All right. So that's about all I have for this live show tonight. What did we talk about? Remember, once again, remember, subscribe, thumbs up. Maybe you want to join uh, the membership of this channel at $3 a month. Um, intro talked about disc golf. Of course, September 11th was yesterday. Talked about dental work. The Fleischman poll. Talked about Patreon. I'm going to be listing all of that uh, probably tomorrow. Riles Chapman now entered on the Alabama Missing Persons Database. Um, talked about Christina Powell, her cause of death. Talked about this family who we thought we had all these bad ideas about what happened to them. Nope, they're fine. Talked about Jeff German and who allegedly murdered him last week or the week before. Talked about this athlete from South Africa who went missing in Maryland just a few weeks ago. And then finished it up with this Friday's episode. Uh, it's going to be the disappearance of Paris Hobson. That's all I got. Thank you all for joining in. All the great comments. Great talking. To all of you, great seeing all of you. And uh, as um, LaRocco's telling everybody, have a great night, everyone. Sheree says, keep your head on a swivel. Yep, on TikTok, like, subscribe. Yep, doing very well on TikTok. Thank you for bringing it up, Sheree. Jasmine, Marlene, everybody else, good seeing all of you. It's time to go now. And you will hear me at least, or maybe even see me on Friday for this Friday's episode. And I'm going to be doing a map analysis, by the way, for this Friday's episode as well. Ferry, everything, good night. And all of you who are listening to the podcast version, goodbye to all of you as well. See ya.